0: section three of wayside and woodland trees a pocket guide to the british silva by edward Stepp this librivox recording is in the public domain section three native trees and shrubs part three the ash Fraxinus excelsior so commanding yet at the same time so light and graceful does a well-grown ash appear that gilpin called it the venus of the woods this may appear to some to be rather too close an approach to the lady of the woods birch but in our opinion it well expresses the characteristics of the two they are both exceedingly graceful but the beauty of the birch is that of the nymph whilst that of the ash is the combined grace and strength of the goddess I have said a well-grown ash, a phrase by which the timbermen would understand a tree that had been hemmed in so closely by other trees that it has had no chance of developing as a tree, but only as a straight, stout stick of wood, from eighty to one hundred feet long. My well-grown ash is in a meadow, where both soil and atmosphere are moist and cool where it has had elbow-room to reach its long graceful arms upwards and outwards, and to cover them with the plumy circlets of long leaves. It is there, or on the outskirts of the wood, or in the hedgerow, that the ash is able to do credit to Gilpin's name for it. Before the reign of iron and steel was quite so universal, ash-timber was in demand for many uses where the metals have now supplanted it. It was then far more widely grown as a hedgerow tree than is now the case. Selby laments the neglect of this former custom, which kept up a supply of tough and elastic timber, useful in all agricultural operations, and added much to the beauty of the country. No doubt the noxious drip and shade of the ash have had much to do with this abandonment of it, for few things can live beneath it a condition helped by its numerous fibrous roots, which quickly exhaust and drain the soil, and so starve out other plants. Although it thus drains the surface soil, it is not dependent upon these upper layers for food, for its much-branched roots extend very deeply in the porous soils it prefers. It must not be supposed from the foregoing remarks that the ash is confined to the lowlands in yorkshire it is found growing at an elevation of one thousand three hundred fifty feet in mid germany it grows as far up as three thousand five hundred feet and in the alpine districts five hundred feet higher still it has a preference for the northern and eastern sides of hills where the atmosphere is moist and cool and the soil deep and porous for it loves free and not stagnant moisture for its roots The bark of both trunk and branches is pale gray, and some look to this as the origin of the tree's English name. On examining the leafless branches in early spring, two things strike the observer—the blackness of the big opposite leaf buds and the stoutness of the twigs. This latter fact is due to the great size of the leaves that they have to support, which implies a considerable strain in wind or rain what are generally regarded as the leaves of the ash are only leaflets though they are equal in size to the leaves of most of our trees the largest of the leaflets are about three inches in length and there are from four to seven mostly six pairs and an odd terminal one to each leaf they are lance-shaped with toothed edges the leaves are late in appearing but like charles lamb and his office hours they make up for it by an early departure the flowers of the ash are very poor affairs for they have neither calyx nor corolla though their association in large clusters makes them fairly conspicuous as they droop from the sides of the branches in april or may stamens and pistils are borne by the same or separate flowers and both kinds or one only may be found on the same tree The pistil is a greenish-yellow pear-shaped body, and the stamens are very dark purple. The flowers are succeeded by bunches of keys, each one, when ripe, a narrow, oblong scale, with a notch at one end and a seed lying within at the other. The correct name for these is Samaras. In looking at a bunch of these keys they are something like the keys to the primitive locks of the ancients one is struck by the fact that they all have a little twist in the wing or sail which causes the key to spin steadily on the wind and reach the earth seed end first they are therefore sometimes known as spinners these are ripe in october but though the trees produce seed nearly every year after the fortieth one may chance to look at a dozen ashes before he comes upon one that bears a seed The reason for this lies in the fact that some trees have no female blossoms. The seeds do not germinate until the second spring after they are sown. Much of the ash wood in use for carriage poles, oars, axe and hammer shafts, and similar purposes, where only small diameters are needed, are obtained from the ash coppice, which rapidly produces well-developed poles so strong and elastic is the ash timber when taken from young trees that it is claimed it will bear a greater strain than any other european timber of equal thickness the ash is not one of the long-lived trees its natural span being about two hundred years but its wood is regarded as best between the ages of thirty and sixty years cattle and horses are fond of ash leaves which were formerly much used for fodder and still are in some districts But it is said that to indulge cows in this food is fatal to the production of good butter from their milk. In some country places there is still extant a shrew-ash, a tree into which a hole has been bored sufficiently large to admit a living shrew-mouse, which has then been plugged in to die of suffocation. A touch of a leaf from this tree was reputed to cure cramp, but especially that form of it supposed to be caused by a shrew passing over man or beast. Then there was the ash whose bowl had been cleft, that it might be a sovereign remedy for infantile hernia. It is difficult to account for the origin of these ideas, but they are deep-rooted and die hard. John Evelyn remarks of this latter superstition, I have heard it affirmed, with great confidence and upon experience, that the rupture, to which many children are obnoxious, is healed by passing the infant through a wide cleft in the bowl or stem of a growing ash-tree. It is then carried a second time round the ash, and caused to repass the same aperture as before. The rupture of the child being bound up, it is supposed to heal as the cleft of the tree closes and coalesces. The origin of the name ash is uncertain, though many fanciful suggestions have been made in explanation of its meaning. Its Anglo-Saxon form was ashk, a word used by the same people for spear but that was because their spear-shafts were made of ash-wood. THE MAPLE Acer campestre There are a number of maples in cultivation, but only three of them are commonly met with in the open, and of these one alone is native. That is, the small-leaved, common, or field maple. Acer campestre a small tree that attains a height of twenty or thirty feet in the tall hedgerow or in the wood, but is most familiar as a mere bush or as a constituent of the low field hedge, does not grow to any considerable thickness of bole, so has no importance as timber, but the turner, the cabinet-maker, and the artist in fancy pipes and snuff-boxes are glad to make use of its fine-grained pale-brown wood. This is often beautifully veined, especially the wood from the roots, and as it will take a high polish, which brings out these markings plainly, it is a very desirable wood for such purposes. The brown bark gives little clue to the character of the wood it covers, for in young trees it is rough and deeply fissured, though with age it becomes smooth. The leaves vary greatly in size, those growing on a tree being much larger than those produced by a bush. They range from two to four inches in diameter and are always in pairs, springing from the sides of the branch exactly opposite to each other. The general form of the leaf is kidney-shaped but it is cut up into five lobes which are more or less toothed. They are downy when young of a deep green color, but too frequently this is disguised by a thick layer of road dust. In October they turn to a rich yellow, and the maple is then prominent even in a distant view, for the bright colour of the foliage makes the tree stand out prominently, in strong contrast with the still deep green of the oaks or firs beyond. The maples are among the trees that have complete flowers, although in this case they happen to be greenish-yellow. They are about a quarter of an inch across, have narrow sepals and narrower petals, eight stamens and two lobe-flattened ovary that develops into a pair of broad-winged keys or samaras. These are individually much like those of the ash, but unsymmetrical and curved, half an inch long, with their bases joined together. Sometimes in late summer these keys take on a colouring of deep crimson, previous to turning brown as they ripen. As a rule the contained seeds take eighteen months to germinate, though a few may start growth in the first spring the common maple is thought to be indigenous only from the county of durham to the southern coast and in ireland in scotland it is only an introduced plant that has become naturalized the great maple sycamore or false plane acer pseudoplatanus is not a native tree but it appears to have been introduced from the continent as far back as the fifteenth century so that it has had time during the intervening centuries to get well established among us, and by means of its winged seeds to distribute itself to remote corners of our islands. It appears to be fond of exposed situations, growing to a large size even near the sea, where the salt-laden gales destroy all other deciduous trees. Recently in Ireland we ascended a hill where the planting of pines and other trees had resulted in comparative failure and found that the wind-borne seeds of the sycamore had produced a large number of young trees which will probably serve later as nurses for more desirable timber producers the close-grained firm wood which can be worked with ease is not highly esteemed its name of false plain is due to the scots calling it the plain misled of old by the similarity of the leaves and the fact that patches of the fine ash-gray bark flake off as in the true plain showing other tints It grows to a height of sixty or even eighty feet so quickly that it is full-grown when only fifty or sixty years old, though it is supposed to live from a hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty years. Like that of the common maple, the wood of the sycamore is firm and fine-grained, which does credit to the efforts of the French polisher. The leaves are more heart-shaped, but cut into five lobes, whose edges are unequally toothed. They are six or eight inches across. The flowers are similar to those of the common maple, but larger, and in a long-hanging raceme, which has a rather fine appearance. The samaras are scimitar-shaped and red-brown, about an inch and a half long. These are produced freely after the tree is about twenty years old. Like many other maples, the sycamore has sap which contains much sugar. Some of this appears also to exude through the leaves, for they are often found to be quite sticky to the touch. The black patches so frequent on sycamore leaves are the work of a small fungus, Ritzema acinarium. The Norway maple, Acer platinodes, is a tree of much more recent, 1683, introduction from the continent. Its height is from 30 to 60 feet, and its early growth is very rapid. The leaves are even larger than those of the sycamore, of similar shape, but the lobes are only slightly toothed. The clusters of bright yellow flowers are almost erect. The tree does not produce seed until it is between forty and fifty years old. The maple was the maple trio, or the mappolder, of the Anglo-Saxons. It was originally the Celtic maple, and the name indicated those knotty excrescences on the trunk from which the cabinet-maker got the mottled wood that was so highly prized in early times for the making of bowls and table-tops for which fabulous prices have been paid. The Poplars populus. Almost everybody who has an elementary acquaintance with trees knows a poplar at sight, the foliage being so very distinct from that of other trees. But the distinctions between the several species are not so immediately obvious. Five kinds of poplar are commonly grown in this country, of which only two are regarded as distinct indigenous species these are the white poplar populus alba and the aspen p tremula a third indigenous form the gray poplar p kinsens is thought to be either a subspecies of p alba or a hybrid between that species and p tremula then of common introduced species we have the black poplar populus nigra and the lombardy poplar P. fastigiata the poplars populus and the willows salix together constitute the natural order salicinae the two genera agree broadly in the construction and arrangement of their flowers and catkins but whereas the poplars have broad leaves and drooping catkins the willows with few exceptions have long slender leaves and erect catkins The sexes are not only in distinct flowers, but on separate trees, what botanists describe by the term diaceous. The males appear to be far more numerous than the females. In the popular sense there are no flowers, for there are neither sepals nor petals, each set of sexual organs being protected merely by a scale. The catkins containing these flowers usually appear before the leaves. As there is nothing to attract insects to the work the trees have to rely upon the wind for conveying the pollen to the female trees the first three species described below have from four to twelve stamens p nigra and p fastigiata have from twelve to twenty stamens the poplars share the love of the willows for moist places they are found more frequently in gardens and hedgerows than in woods their growth is rapid and their timber consequently is of little value though its softness and lightness render it suitable for making boxes and its whiteness and non liability to splinter fit it for use as flooring an additional point in favour of white poplar for the latter purpose is its unreadiness to burn the white poplar or abele populus alba grows into a large tree something between sixty and a hundred feet high covered with smooth gray bark. Its branches spread horizontally, and its broad heart-shaped leaves, which vary from an inch to three inches long, are hung on long, slender foot-stalks. In most trees the leaf stalks are flattened from above, but in the case of the poplars they are flattened from the sides, so that when moved by the wind they flutter laterally. These leaves have a waved margin, a smooth upper surface, and are snowy white and cottony beneath the leaf buds are also invested by cottony filaments the roots produce numerous suckers even at a distance from the trunk and the leaves on these sucker shoots are very large two to four inches broad of a more triangular shape the outline lobed and toothed the catkins which appear in march and april are cylindrical those of the male trees may be as much as four inches long each flower containing from six to ten stamens with purple anthers The female catkins are not nearly so long, the two yellow stigmas are slender with slit tips, and the ovaries develop into slender egg-shaped capsules, each with its fringed scale. This species is said not to produce flowers in Scotland. In July, when the seed capsules open, the surrounding vegetation and ground are thickly strewn with the long white cotton filaments attached to the seeds. The wood of this tree is softer and more spongy than that of other poplars. The grey poplar populus Kensens, which is thought to be indigenous only in the southeastern parts of England, is not so tall a tree as P. alba, though it sometimes attains to eighty or ninety feet, with a circumference between ten and twenty-four feet. Its life extends to about a century, but its wood, which does not split when nails are driven through thin boards of it, is considered best between fifty and sixty years of age. The leaves on the branches are shaped like those of Pialba, but their undersides are either coated with grey down or are quite smooth. Those of the suckers have their margins cut into angles and teeth. The female flowers mostly have four wedge-shaped purple stigmas, sometimes two, which are cleft into four at their extremities. The aspen, or asp, Populus tremula does not attain either to so large a size or so moderate an age as the abel its height when full grown is from forty to eighty feet and after fifty or sixty years its heart-wood begins to decay and its destruction is then hastened by the attacks of such internal feeding insects as the caterpillars of the goat-moth and the wood leopard-moth the leaves on the branches are broadly egg-shaped approaching to round the waved margin cut into teeth with turned-in points In one form, variation viosa, the leaves are covered beneath with silky or cottony hairs, in the other form, variation glabra, they are almost smooth. The leaves on the suckers are heart-shaped without teeth. The leaf-stalks of the aspen are longer than those of its congenitors, so that they are constantly on the flutter, a circumstance that has led to an explanatory legend, to the effect that the cross of Calvary was made of aspen wood, and that the tree shivers perpetually in remembrance. Possibly the present inferiority of aspen timber is to be explained in a similar manner. The catkins, which are two or three inches long, are similar to those of the foregoing species, but the scales have jagged edges. It is indigenous in all the British Isles as far north as Orkney, but, though commonly found in copses on a moist, light soil, is more frequent as a planted tree in gardens and pleasure-grounds. It is a characteristic tree of the plains throughout the continent, but ascends to 1,600 feet in Yorkshire, and in the Bavarian Alps is found as high as 4,400 feet. It is not a deep-rooting tree, the root branches running almost horizontally. Where accessible to cattle or deer, the foliage of the suckers is easily browsed by them. The Black Poplar Populus nigra appears to be so called not by reason of any blackness of leaf or bark but because of the absence of any white or grey down on the underside of its leaves its bark is grey like that of the species already mentioned but readily distinguished from them by the great swellings and nodosities that mar the symmetry of its trunk it is a tree of erect growth fifty to sixty feet in height with horizontal branches and leaves that vary in shape from triangular and rhombic to almost circular and in width from an inch to four inches they have rounded teeth on the margins which are at first also fringed and in their young state the underside is silky the flowers in the catkins of this and the next species are not so densely packed those of the male are two or three inches in length and dark red in color their abundance before the tree has put out its leaves makes the male tree a conspicuous object. The female catkins are shorter and do not droop. When the roundest capsules burst in May or June to distribute their seeds, the white cotton with which the latter are invested gives prominence to the female tree. The wood is chiefly used by the turner. In Holland, where it is extensively cultivated, it provides the materials for sabots. The black poplar is not a native of this country, but it is generally distributed throughout Europe and northern Asia. The date of its introduction is not known, but it has been here for many centuries, and is quite naturalized, springing up on river banks and in other moist situations. Some botanists regard it as only a variety of the Lombardy poplar, but apart from the very different habit of the tree, not by itself sufficient grounds for separation, there is the more important fact that the black poplar rarely produces suckers from its roots whilst the lombardy poplar does so constantly however this is a point we can leave for the botanists to discuss for the purposes of this book the two trees are sufficiently distinct to be treated separately the lombardy poplar Populus fastigiata is no more a native of italy than of england its home is in the taurus and the himalayas whence it has spread into persia Introduced into southern Europe, it has become specially abundant along the rivers of Lombardy, and so in France and England it bears the name of that country. Lord Rochford introduced it to England from Turin in 1758. Its leaves are like those of the black poplar, but its branches, instead of spreading, all go straight upwards, so that the fastigiate or spire shape of the tree, is produced a shape only found otherwise among coniferous trees particularly in the cypress the juniper and the irish yew it is its form great height one hundred to one hundred fifty feet and rapidity of growth that have led to its wide use here as an ornamental tree in many cases as a mere vegetable hoarding to shut out some offensive view its growth is extremely rapid especially during its first score of years when it will attain a height of sixty feet or more, provided it be grown in good, moist, but not marshy soil. Its wood is, of course, of little value and is chiefly used for making boxes and packing cases, where its lightness, combined with toughness and cheapness, is an advantage. The bark is rough and deeply furrowed, unlike the other species, and the trunk is twisted. Like the black poplar, it has smooth shoots and the unopened buds are sticky. It is propagated in this country by suckers and cuttings. It is said that the first trees introduced were so obtained and that they were all from male trees, consequently that we have no female trees here and seed production is impossible. If the female grows here it is certainly very scarce. The bark has been used for tanning. The black Italian poplar, Populus monilifera, is another misnamed tree, for it is a native of North America, though introduced to England from the continent in 1772 by Dr. John Hope. It has the distinction of being considered the most rapid growing even of the poplars. Loudon gives its rate of growth in the neighborhood of London as between thirty and forty feet in seven years. Even in Scotland, where it has been largely planted as a substitute for larch since the partial failure of that tree it attains a height of one hundred twenty feet in sixty years when planted along the river-banks it is probably only a variety of p nigra which it resembles in most parts but is larger and of very erect growth the tac mahawk or balsam poplar Populus balsamifera is another importation from north america introduced in sixteen ninety two In its native country it grows to a height of eighty feet but here forty or fifty feet is more usual its leaves are of more slender form than those of the other poplars egg-shaped with a near approach to being lance-shaped their edges are toothed their upper surface dark green and smooth the underside whitish with cotton the distinctive character of the tree is the fragrance of its foliage which scents the air on moist evenings and makes the Takama Hawk a desirable tree to plant near the water, where alone it attains any moderate size. End of section three.